This Advent, I've been focusing on our first readings, all of which have been from the prophet Isaiah. And today's reading from Isaiah is probably the most famous prophecy in that book, if not in the whole scriptures. This prophecy that our gospel writer, St. Matthew, quotes today in our gospel. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. It's, it's um, good for us to think at what, what an intervention this is from heaven, that God would, would come himself in person as a human being, truly God with us. I think it's really helpful for us to understand better the context in which this prophecy is given. So as, as I've been saying the past couple weeks, when Isaiah was prophesying in the, in the 700s in Israel, it was an extremely diff- difficult time for Israel. And, and at that time, Israel was a divided nation. It was divided into a northern part that's called simply Israel, com- composed of the 10, 10 of the tribes of Israel. And then the southern part, the smaller part, is called Judah, two of the tribes. And that that part of Judah is where the house of David is. That's David's family down there in Judah. And in 722 BC, the northern kingdom is completely destroyed. But what led up to their destruction is that that northern kingdom formed an alliance with the foreign nation of Syria. And God did not want that and had warned against that. So then... Syria and Israel together, this is about 735 BC, decide that they're going to attack Judah, which is a real tragedy. This is the same kind of tragedy when brothers are in conflict with brothers or family members in contact with family members. Israel and Judah are God's family, but yet one turns against the other. So we have Israel and Syria attacking Judah from the north, and King, king Ahaz is the king of that southern, southern uh, kingdom of Judah, and he's of the house of David, and he's, he's afraid. And so what he decides to do is that he is going to form an allegiance with Egypt, another foreign nation, and God doesn't want him to do that. And God is warning him through the prophet Isaiah, don't do it. Trust me, I will protect you. And whenever the scriptures talk about Egypt, we can think back to the most important thing that happens in Egypt, which happens in the book of Exodus, when Israel is enslaved in Egypt and God leads the people from slavery out of Egypt. So the last thing that God wants is that his people would again be in league with Egypt. God brought them out of slavery from from Egypt. He doesn't want them to form an alliance with their former uh, um, masters or oppressors. But King Ahaz is not listening. So finally, God says to him, and this is the context of of our passage today. Finally, God says to, to Ahaz, ask for a sign. Make it as deep as the netherworld or as high as the sky. In other words, ask me for a sign that I'm trustworthy. Ask me for a sign that I'm going to be faithful to my word. 
pretty incredible that God invites that kind of ask from Ahaz. And what does Ahaz say in reply? I will not ask. I will not tempt the Lord. Now, on the one hand, this sounds kind of pious, uh, like Ahaz is saying, well, I don't want to bother you, Lord, or I don't want to... I don't want to inconvenience you to have to give me a sign. But God was asking Ahaz to ask for a sign. And so what's really going on here is that Ahaz doesn't want God to intervene. Ahaz isn't interested in what God has to say about this situation. Ahaz has decided what he's going to do, and he doesn't want God to change his plans. I can relate to Ahaz a lot in that sometimes I've decided what I want to do and I don't really, I don't really want to know what God wants for me. But as the scriptures show us, it's always a mistake when we try to make our own plans, when we don't allow God to plan our lives for us, when we try to do it alone without him. So we have a really good contrast between our first reading with King Ahaz, who doesn't want God to intervene in his life, and the situation with Joseph. Now, if, if Ahaz was in a very difficult situation facing invaders from the north, uh, Joseph is also in a very difficult situation. He's betrothed to Mary, and so what that means is it's It's the first step in a Jewish marriage. First of all, it's the betrothal, so they're formally married. But the second step is is that they would move in with one another. So even though they're married, they haven't moved in together, and and therefore there would have been impossible for them to have uh, had intercourse. Now, of course, the church has always taught that they never did, uh, that Mary remained a virgin her entire life. But, but they, they we're in a situation where um, Joseph's, Joseph's bride, uh, whom he has not known physically, is now with child. And uh, how confusing that must have been. And how Joseph must have struggled to know even what the right thing to do is in this situation. And sometimes in our own lives, we face similar situations where I don't even know what the right thing to do is. I don't know what's right and what's wrong in this situation. Because on the one hand, the Jewish law says that if, if a woman commits adultery, the penalty is, is to be stoned. And on the other hand, he loves Mary and wants to protect her. And so what does he do? Well, Joseph, because he's a righteous and holy man, comes up with a solution that he believes is going to do two things. Be obedient to God, but also protect and show love for his wife. And so he decides to divorce her, which would be following the law, but to do so secretly so that Mary would be protected from harm. So this was Joseph's decision that he was going to do, and it was a decision he was making because he believed that this is the righteous thing to do. And God had other plans. God appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. So God reveals to Joseph what his will is in this situation. And what what does Joseph do? He follows God's will. Now, we, we have to understand what a sacrifice this is and how, and how difficult this probably was. Uh, first of all, to agree to be the foster father of the Son of God. But second, second of all, to agree to live with this woman who you love in a chaste relationship for your whole marriage. That's what was asked of Joseph, and that's what he said that he would do. He would raise the Son of God, as if he were his own child, and that he would live with his wife, his brother, and sister. So Joseph had a plan. God presents him another plan. But the difference between Joseph and King Ahaz is that Joseph said yes to God's plan. Ahaz said, I'm doing it my own way. And it didn't go well for him or for Judah after that. But it's a totally different story with Joseph because he says yes to what God wanted, which is a very difficult decision, very difficult vocation that God gave to Joseph. And, and what was the result? The Savior of the world is born and is raised by Mary and Joseph, the Holy Family. And we, because of it, have salvation. Isn't it an amazing thing what God did with the yes of, of two human beings, Mary and Joseph? Their yes changed the world, and that's why we're here today in Winstead, Minnesota, at this Mass, simply because of the yes of these two, right, right here. And it wasn't easy, but they chose God's will instead of their own will. And that's the challenge for our life. This year, since Christmas falls on a Sunday, we have the longest Advent that we ever have because we have four full weeks of Advent. And so that means we have one full week left. What a blessing to have a whole week of Advent left by which we can prepare. So Jesus desires to come into our hearts anew this Christmas. Uh, after Mass, some people are going to set up our, well, maybe you will help with that generously. We're going to set up our, our manger scene, and on Christmas Eve, we'll place Jesus there in the manger scene, and how wonderful that will be. But at the end of the day, Jesus doesn't care about coming. Jesus, the statue, doesn't care about coming into this manger scene right here. As much as I love my nativity scene back at the rectory, he doesn't really care about being placed there. Where does he want to be placed? Here, in this manger, in this stable. My first pastor, when I was a priest, would always talk about Advent as a time where we clear out the stable of our hearts so that we can welcome Jesus there. So we have a, we have a whole week we can still do that by taking some time for silence each day, taking some time for prayer, uh, serving our neighbor in need during this time, making a good confession. These are all things that we can do to clean out that stable so that we can really welcome Jesus, so that he can come in a new and powerful way into our life and heart this Christmas. Let's ask for that grace. 
that we would always seek and follow his will for our life and not our own plans. His plans are what actually will make us happy. And let's ask for the grace to live this last week of Advent well so that we can welcome him anew into our heart.